When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. You guys hear me talk about them every week. They are one of our newest partners. And the reason I partnered with Cog Hill this, this year is because, you know what, they just got a lot of great stuff going on over there. They've got four championship golf courses, including the world-famous Dubs Dread that all of you have heard about. And everything that they're doing with not only helping people get into the game quicker, helping entertain golfers when they go out to even their driving range, which is equipped with Top Tracer, a food truck, which is incredible, and longer hours now because they've put lights up. It's just a fantastic way to not only spend some hours with some friends, but also to go and improve your game. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn a little bit more. We're also brought to you by our friends over at worldwidegolfshops.com. You can go out and get anything you need for your game over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. They've got all sorts of different things, fun things for you to enjoy the game a little bit more, including accessories, apparel, the latest equipment. They've even got some used equipment if you want to go down that route, and even training aids to improve your game. Go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com today. Last but not least, our friends over at Cleveland's Rickson, Zegzio, and Asics have been in our corner for a few years now, and I continue to play their equipment, love everything about it, And they've got some new stuff coming out, too, that we hope to bring some coverage for you very soon. Go out to Cleveland, Srixon, Zegzio, or Asics today to learn a little bit more. And take it from me. You're going to enjoy it. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission? To keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. Welcome back, folks, to the show. This is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. Hit me up on email at, hold on, hold on, Adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. I'm going to get that right at some point. I've been a little rusty with my intros recently. I don't know what's going on. It's just a crazy world out there, folks. Thanks for tuning in once again for another episode. We're going to go solo again today, and I am discussing a couple topics that, uh, if you follow me on social media, particularly Twitter, you are aware of some of the thoughts I put out regarding the price of golf equipment and some of the reaction that I received uh, to those comments. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that here today. Um, I want to remind you that we also simulcast uh, most of our episodes on YouTube. And so we do have a YouTube channel. We're just getting started with that still. You know, there's a few hundred subscribers that have tuned in. And so thank you so much for doing so. And I encourage you to do the same. So if you like these episodes, if you want to watch me talk about it and some of my guests as well, you can do that on YouTube. And just another quick shameless plug, go out to Amazon.com, search for The Bag Room, and you'll see a book that I wrote. And uh, a lot of you have done so. I really appreciate the support. It's a self-published effort. It's a silly book that um, just details some of the things that me and my buddies, uh, some of the trouble that we used to get into working at a private club, uh, Joliet Country Club, uh, which I call Elverton. Good Lord, I can't talk today. Elverton Country Club in the book. And I think you'll really enjoy that too. So it's a fun read. It's pretty short. 
It's a nice summer read. Uh, I'd appreciate the support. At any rate, uh, I think that's everything. Oh, I should also mention secondcitygolf.com, the collective that I do with Bill Bush as well as Chris McEwen. You've heard me talk about those guys. Chris McEwen was a uh, podcast guest uh, last episode. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, But go out to secondcitygolf.com and uh, take a look at some of the merchandise we have. A lot of fun stuff, and you're actually going to see one of the hats that uh, we sell over there for Golf Unfiltered if you're watching on YouTube uh, in today's episode. So sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from Golf Unfiltered. And as you heard in the intro, uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast app, your podcast app of choosing, rather, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you prefer to get them. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a couple topics. And they have been hot topics for me only because I feel like it's a important conversation uh, that a lot of people often overlook uh, and they just kind of accept as time goes on. And I'm going to talk about some of the reasons why people might accept that particular topic. And if I'm speaking vaguely, well, let's clear things up. I'm going to talk a little bit about the price of golf clubs, as well as uh, some releases that have recently come out that, you know, quite frankly, are marvels of technology. I don't know. I was going to say something a little bit more smart there, but uh, basically very, very good golf clubs to say the least. It's got everything you could possibly want. It could, some may argue everything that you could possibly need in a golf club, but along with those come a pretty steep price tag. And so I just want to dive into a little bit of that. And this might be an episode for newer golfers. Obviously, those of you who have played the game for a long time, you know that golf is an expensive sport. And for those of who might just picked up the game recently, uh, we all know that there is a huge golf boom in 2020 as uh, COVID took over the world, essentially, and people needed something to do. Uh, and golf brands everywhere, golf equipment companies, apparel companies everywhere are experiencing just one of their best years ever. And in many instances, the industry as a whole is experiencing its best year ever. So most recently, and uh, I should preface this again by saying I'm not necessarily trying to call out a brand for for doing something, you know, nefarious or anything wrong. Uh, But recently, a couple brands have released some clubs and I'm going to, you know, speak specifically to one. And that's Callaway Golf. Callaway, I have the utmost respect for. They make fantastic equipment. And recently, just within the last week at the time of this recording, they released the Callaway Epic Super Hybrid. It's the second version, as I understand it, of this Super Hybrid uh, bearing the Epic name. And as we all know, Epic has taken over golf, or at least it did a few years ago, uh, with a lot of innovation. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but the Epic drivers, when they were first released, had this thing called jailbreak. And uh, essentially, we've recorded many episodes on what that is. We've spoken to people from Callaway talking a little bit about what that technology does. The long and short of it, if if you don't know by now, jailbreak essentially consists of two uh, bars, essentially, within the face or the club head of the driver in this case. And uh, it stabilizes the top and the bottom. So you may or may not know that when you hit a golf club or when you hit a golf ball with a golf club, the club head often loses shape even for a millisecond. And so the whole concept, or at least part of the concept with uh, jailbreak was to kind of stabilize that, to minimize the amount of uh, change within the club head at impact. But it also helped a lot of things like 
ball speed, uh, forgiveness in some instances. And depending on the club that you're talking about, it even helps with uh, launch conditions. Um, and it's a really beneficial piece of equipment. And everyone found that. I found that to be true when I was testing the original driver. And then as time went on, you know, that spawned into additional pieces of equipment within Callaway. Um, and I shouldn't uh, just focus only on that particular part of the the driver or fairway woods. And now the super hybrid, which also features a updated version, a next generation version, if you will, of jailbreak, along with many other things. The whole point is artificial intelligence, a ton of research and development went into making this club. And it's incredible. I would imagine that it's probably going to be one of the best hybrids I will ever hit. I will hit it at some point, uh, whether I go to a uh, big box store and I try it on a simulator or I, I like to go out and try these new pieces of equipment, even just for a few swings. I have no doubt that I'm going to enjoy it. It has a $400 price tag. Now, for a new golfer, someone who might not be in the habit of spending a lot of money on uh, golf equipment, that's probably a little bit of sticker shock going on there. Because I know, uh, as somebody who tries a lot of equipment, it was for me. We're talking about a hybrid, which is really a replacement for a long iron, typically, you know, your three, four, maybe even five iron, sometimes even your six iron. Um, and normally, I don't want to generalize too much, but normally those cost around $200, maybe $250. Now, to be fair, the original Epic Super Hybrid was also a little bit more pricey. Um, the first generation, I going off of memory here, but I believe it was pretty close to that amount as well. And I remember seeing something on either social media or reading it in their marketing materials, but somebody made the comment that the Epic Super Hybrid has everything that a golfer needs in this particular club. And so that got me thinking. Um, Unfortunately, when I start doing that, a lot of people begin to start disagreeing with me, but that kind of comes with the territory, I guess. If this particular club has everything, truly has everything that a golfer needs, why is it priced at a price point that only a few golfers can afford? Now, to me, that seems just like a logical question. As you could probably suspect, I put that out on Twitter and let me tell you, the responses, the tone of the responses uh, that I received ran the gamut, but for the most part were pretty negative. And the overarching uh, sentiment was that I didn't know what I was talking about because these companies need to make a profit and it's entirely in their right to charge whatever they want. I'm not debating that. I, I actually know that quite well. <laughs> um, it's funny uh, how, uh, you know, and this is the time in which we live. We've talked about this many times about social media. Uh, whenever you put yourself out there, you know, and I know my audience, uh, at least on social, on Twitter, is comprised of a lot of gearheads. You know, I talk a lot about equipment. I love equipment. I, I It's my favorite part of the game. Um, maybe I should have known the type of response I was going to get, you know, back for making a comment like that. But uh, some of the other things that came up 
uh, you know, calling me a socialist and, and all sorts of other different things, you know, that it, I guess that's the world we live in now. I, I don't know. It's, it's really, uh, it's really frustrating. Um, and, uh, I, I have no doubt that I've contributed in some way to, uh, that particular mentality, but, um, I don't think everything has to be political. I mean, I don't know. Call me uh, old fashioned, call me naive. But um, if somebody asks the question of why is something so expensive, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're trying some ulterior motive to change the world. I, I don't know, whatever. Um, but at any rate, it got me thinking a little bit more about why golf clubs are so expensive in the first place. And we've had many engineers. We've had um, a lot of people from different brands come on the show and they talk a lot about all the features that go into designing a new golf club. And uh, primarily, now there's there's a lot of variables that go into the price of a club, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm an expert in research and development or marketing or anything like that. But rather, there are some things that everyone knows is to be true. Uh, that contributes to the final price of a club. The first we've already mentioned, and that's the research and development that go into it. Not cheap, not cheap at all. You know, we've talked to a few people who have mentioned that, you know, and, and you may know this, uh, but a lot of brands today are already thinking and researching and developing products that will come out two, three, four, maybe even five years from now. And these speed at which these products can be developed, the technologies that go into it, it's just continuously getting quicker exponentially, which is fantastic for us as golfers. Unfortunately, those pieces of technology aren't very cheap. When we start talking about artificial intelligence, I mean, come on, we're talking about like robot stuff, right? We hear all this stuff in the news. We talk, I think the other day I, I saw a tweet about, um, you know, Elon Musk, you know, you know, the guy that everyone talks about these days, he's designing robots that are going to be completely artificial intelligence. And I don't know what they're going to be used for. Probably murder. <laughs> Let's talk. Can we, can we just, you know, stop the line here for a second? Um, I don't know. What, what are we thinking about with these robots? But at any rate, I mean, none of this stuff is, is cheap. I mean, you have to put all the the uh uh, not only technology, but the computer imagery and everything else that I know I'm missing uh, into making something as simple as a golf club. And the reason I say that, uh, saying that a golf club is simple is because at its core, I mean, it's really just, you know, a club head, a shaft, a grip, and maybe an adjustable hosel in recent times. Um, there's a ton more tech that go into that club head that does benefit everybody. It's certainly easier to play golf now, at least on paper, than it was 50 years ago, you know, when everyone was using persimmon and even before that hickory and everything else. Now, that's not to take anything away from all the technology that goes into golf shafts. Heck, there's even counterbalanced grips, you know, so there's always levels of equipment that contribute to either a better performing club uh, than perhaps something a little bit more basic. You know, maybe something that you can pick up off a shelf at your local Costco, for example. You know, they sell those box sets. I know Callaway does. I know um, Wilson does. I think they still do. And there's a, many others that, that sell boxed sets, probably for the beginner golfer, 
for example. Some of you who just got into the game may have looked at those, perhaps even purchased them. So not only research and development, and, you know, uh, there's, there's so many other pieces of technology that I've not even mentioned yet, like, you know, CAD and, and so many other things that go into developing this club. There's also a healthy amount of marketing. Now, that's something that we can all certainly relate to. Uh, that's something that we see either in, um, well, certainly on the internet, on social media. You, I, I do it. I share a lot of information about upcoming club releases for those companies that share that information with me. I've got my preferences on companies. Um, I'm a huge fan, as you all know, of Cleveland, Strixon, Zegzio, that that trifecta. Um, but that's not to take anything away from the other brands, too. And we hear all about it. We see it on the shirts and the hats and the bags of our favorite touring professionals as well. If you subscribe to a golf publication, you're going to see those full page ads. You're going to see ads everywhere that you look for golf enjoyment. You're going to find equipment, advertising. There's a lot of money that goes into that. Recent days, recent years, a lot of money, a healthy amount of a marketing budget also goes to social media marketing. That's why stuff, I can bring you some information regarding new clubs because they provide that information to me. Many times they provide a sample of the product for me to share, and then I'm able to convey that to you. That costs money. So uh, I've said this a few times in the past, and it's often a refrain that I hear from some followers who are particularly eager to uh, be confrontational that day. Um, they mention, well, you know, you get free equipment all the time. So, you know, obviously you're going to say nice things about it. Well, it's not free. It definitely is not free. Um, I don't necessarily pay for it, but there is a exchange and a transaction that occurs. And it's not always what you think. It's not always a positive thing. And quite frankly, not to go off too much of a, on a tangent here, if there's a piece of equipment that I try that I actually don't like, and there have been a few, I'll let them know. And then it's completely up to the brand to say, yeah, go ahead and run that or not. I at least give them that option. Um, so research and development, development, marketing. Uh, and then, of course, there's just a whole slew of other smaller costs that go into it to what ends up becoming the final price for a product. Oh, by the way, a brand needs to make a profit. That's another big factor in this whole thing. Any business, anywhere, and this has been quoted to me and I've been reminded of this often, any business that sells a product needs to make a profit. And I completely understand that. I don't know what the margins are for particular businesses. I don't know what Callaway's trying to, you know, what their bottom line is. And, and I'm sure I could easily find that out. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter insofar as what does the consumer experience when they see a new piece of equipment. Now, to take a step back, I know I've been saying a lot about the uh, uh, one particular golf club. And as I said in the beginning, I'm not trying to nitpick on this. I'm just trying to convey that golf club prices, while correlative to the amount of research that go into it and the amount of marketing that's required and the amount of profit to make the bottom line make sense at the end of the year. That just all seems to be incredibly high these days, especially 
when some of the marketing, whether it be word of mouth or overtly written in marketing materials, suggests that this particular thing is everything that a golfer needs. So the obvious takeaway from that is, is it truly something that you need? You know, there are different demographics of golfers everywhere. There are different demographics of all consumers for every type of product. You're going to have your luxury brands. You're going to have your basic entry-level model, and you're going to have a whole slew of different options in between. Think about cars. Think about uh, smartphones, for crying out loud. I mean, anything you can think of, there are different levels. And quite frankly, it's been explained to me, especially when you talk about brands like PXG, Zexio, for example, other brands that are always more highly priced than others, they are targeting a specific demographic. There is no doubt they don't try to hide it. They actually overtly say that. There is nothing wrong with that. So what do you actually need in order to enjoy the game? Well, that's a pretty subjective question, isn't it? And I'm sure there's a ton of different answers for that. I guess technically, if you want to go to the extreme, you can go to any thrift store and buy any set of irons, any set of clubs from any year, maybe a sleeve of golf balls, and you can start playing the game of golf. The game of golf itself doesn't care what type of equipment you have. I know that's an obvious statement, but if we take a step back and start thinking about that, maybe it becomes a little bit more clear or perhaps even more confusing as to why do I have to spend so much money in order to get started in this game? Again, I'm speaking to the newer golfers here. What was your experience like when you said, you know what, I think I'm going to take up golf. What was the sticker shock that you felt? Was it perhaps buying golf balls? Maybe you've heard of this brand called Titleist and, oh, I think my dad plays Pro V1s. I'm going to go buy some of those. And then suddenly you're hit with a $50 price tag for 12 golf balls. Totally worth it. Fantastic golf balls, taking nothing away from them. It's an expensive game. And that's something, and that's just one example. Obviously, you can go down the gamut of anything else. Hell, even getting onto the golf course in most instances is a little bit more expensive now that so many people want to play it. My point being, golf can be expensive. It's always had that persona, that that uh, veil, I guess, of, yeah, this is a rich person's game. And for many years, it was a rich man's game. Uh, it is what it is in that case, but you don't have to spend that much in order to enjoy it. And so as more golf, well, and this is a something that's been going on for years since companies have existed, since new products have been released, prices have always remained consistent with the, the times, right? Inflation, all that other economical stuff that I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I'm sure there are plenty of people who could uh, speak more intelligently to it than I can. But at the end of the day, why not consider secondhand stores? Why not consider last year's model or even the year before that? Hell, even the year before that, three years ago. I have many friends that reach out to me uh, and ask, hey, I want to upgrade my clubs. Uh, what do you recommend? And more often than not, what they're looking at are company websites, perhaps even big box stores, PGA Superstore, Golf Galaxy, 
you know, what have you, any of the Roger Dunn's, you know, whatever. And they're probably looking at the most recent releases, right? And well, right away, they're seeing, oh my God, I'm going to have to spend, hell, $500 on a driver. And if I want to go for an entire new set of clubs, I'm easily looking at $2,000, depending on, you know, brand and model and, and whatnot. Well, I find it hard to tell them the truth sometimes. Like, look, you probably don't need that new driver. I mean, buddy, you're playing with a with a driver that was released seven years ago. Why not uh, kind of like, again, car shopping, find a brand that or a model that maybe was three years old by now, you know, something along those lines. And so am I doing a disservice to the brands that I talk to on this podcast, the ones that I write about? I have friends at many of these companies. Am I doing them a disservice? I don't know if that's for me to say, but it's not about me. It's about you. It's about enjoying the game. It's about finding a way, you know, the easiest entry point into enjoying this game for new golfers, especially, but even for those of us who have been playing for decades. And again, yeah, I realize, you know, listen to this guy talk about, you know, golf club prices. I haven't paid for a golf club in, in years, at least by choice. I understand how this may be coming across, but it's also a perspective. I hope that offers, you know what? Yeah, there's a ton of great stuff out here. There's a ton of great things you can do. You don't have to always buy the latest and greatest. If you want to, I ain't mad at you. Go and do that. Absolutely. You're going to enjoy it just as much as anybody who might purchase a club that's two or three years old. I I really believe that. And yes, there's always going to be these golfers or any consumer demographic of any product who always want to have the latest and greatest. And if you have the means to do so, then go, then go do that. You know, I'm not telling you not to do that. It's just an interesting thing when you start to mirror what is being said and what is being marketed and reality as it relates to whether or not you can actually continue to enjoy the game or are you provide, are you given some promises that come with a pretty steep price tag. Another quick example that I'll share. I was speaking to a a friend of mine and he uh, was telling me a story of uh, his, I believe it was his boss or maybe one of just one of his coworkers. Let's just leave it at that. Who went for a full club fitting. Now we've always talked about go get fit. If you're going to go buy a new driver, if you're going to spend that much money on something, then go get fit so that you know it's actually working for you and that you're choosing the right one for your game. I stand by that. I always will. And it's not just drivers. It's across you know the spectrum of any golf club you want. But he was mentioning how his friend went and he, or his colleague, went and got fit, full bag fitting. And you know they price everything out. They, they, if you've ever been fit, you know this. They, they have this sheet where they talk about, okay, here's what you need. Here's the shaft. Here's the grip. Here's the... In some instances, if they want to peer the shafts, we'll talk about that in another episode, perhaps. And then at the end of it, after hours of hitting all sorts of different clubs, this guy was presented with a price sheet for the best clubs for him, according to data, according to a trained, certified professional club fitter. And at the end of the day, it was going to cost him $5,000. 
Now, <laughs> you could probably guess what he decided to do in this instance. And it's not, I don't want to generalize and say that everyone has this reaction, but he didn't make that purchase. You know, as I said earlier, golf is an expensive game. It can be. The manner in which some companies and some products are marketed suggests that in order for you to improve, in order for you to play the best that you can, you have to buy it. You have to pay for it. I don't, you know, as I spend more time in this game and as I, as I, you know, continue to talk more about it, continue to research more about it, continue to play all sorts of different equipment. I don't know if I believe that anymore. I need to think on it more, but when you're presented with a $5,000 price tag for equipment that let's face it, will probably be outdated in terms of technology a lot faster now than it was perhaps 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't know if I would do it either. And that's sad to say, honestly, because I know I sit here and I talk about the importance of going to get fit. And I still think, like I said, you should do that at least to get an idea of what you need. But that's a pretty, that's a pretty penny in my mind. And I don't know how you reacted to that number. Maybe uh, clearly, and I'm going to, you know, not name the, the, the club fitter because I have a ton of respect for them, but uh, clearly they're doing fine. A lot of people do choose to pay that and they probably make that purchase and they stick with those clubs forever. But do you kind of see the point? I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of, Hey, this is going to help you the most. It's going to be better than the previous thing. And then you try to do that for your game and you're faced with a pretty tough decision. Let me know your thoughts on the whole topic. I know that I went in a few different directions there and, and it's one of the first times that we've actually recorded just a solo podcast uh, on video as well. I'm hoping that this could be uploaded to YouTube. I've been having a little issue with the, um, the, the service that I use to record this. Uh, you may have remembered that I had a recent conversation with my buddy, Chris McEwen, and I tried to upload it. I apologize that it didn't get onto YouTube because for some reason the file got corrupted and it only captured about 20 minutes of the conversation. I don't know. Maybe the internet gods are trying to tell me something. I, I don't know, but uh, hopefully this one works. And so I do appreciate you tuning in if you've tuned in for this long and uh, give me a subscribe there, hit the button down there. I think they say hit the bell. I don't know. I'm not a big YouTuber, but I do like, like watching it. <laughs> um, and that way you'll get an alert every time that there's a new video. And I try to do them pretty often. So thanks so much for tuning in. Let me know your thoughts on this whole topic. And uh, if you're a brand listening to this, and if you're just boiling red right now with anger, understand, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. I really am not. It's just some questions. That's all. Let's continue the conversation. Thanks for tuning in.